for these light afflictions, which are momentary, worketh for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now we understand that this means we are going from this rim into another rim. We know ultimately where we're going. I hope we do. Most of us should know that this world is not my home. I'm only passing through. Remember those old songs? My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door and I can't feel at home. You see why you're unsettled? Because this world is not your home. You're only passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me through heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We used to sing, there is going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. I am going, I hope to meet you, meet you over there in my home beyond the sky. And such singing you will hear, never heard by mortal ear, will be glorious, I do declare. For God's own Son will be the leading one at that meeting in the air. Come on, if you get tired and weary, just start singing some of that stuff around your house while you're folding clothes and doing laundry. That's what they did. They didn't have much, but they had the truth. They had the word. And what I need you to understand that they did not value what they had. They valued what was coming. They didn't put value into stuff that was going to burn up and, and, and fad out and burn out because seasons call for different, see, uh, different things and you will never have something for too long that it will not uh, uh, be a fad or it's going to burn out. But if you hold on to Jesus, regardless of what season you're in, regardless of what this world deems important, you can, you can know that my eyes are set on a prize. Come on. That's why Paul was so prolific in what he would say and what he would declare. And he could say these things. Now, you're talking about one that understood what affliction was. I know you think you know what affliction was. But there's people being beat for the truth. Being beat. being Not just ridiculed. Not just spit upon but they're literally being beat physically because they believe in Jesus Christ. Let me just tell you, if I was to stand you right here and tell you that you're getting ready to get a beating and you can't do anything but just stand there and, and just believe the truth, would you, would you be able to do it? I don't even know that I could say that would be hard because you know what? I'm sitting here thinking that's going to be painful. But if you know that it's just a light affliction... Come on, somebody. That's not even worthy to be compared to what's coming after the pain. 
that you you might have taken a beating. And listen, I know emotionally you can feel like you've been beat with with uh, hundred thousand clubs. But I want you to understand that whatever seems so heavy is just light in comparison to the glory that not only that we're going to experience over there, but the Lord is looking for us to understand that He's trying to get this kingdom dimension of faith. He's trying to get us to enter into this realm of His kingdom. It is that he says, I, I, I've got a glory that's beyond this, not just over there, but I've got a glory beyond what you're going through. I've got a breakthrough for you. I know you haven't seen one in a long time. I know you haven't experienced uh, peace in a long time. He says, but I've got a place of joy. I've got a place of peace. And this is what God has for you, that this glory rim is, is so much more vast than any affliction that you may be going through. And here's what's awesome. Not not only can you have joy in it, not only can you have peace in his presence, but you can also have help in his presence. Come on, somebody. How many knows that he can send angels into your room? That you have personal angels, according to Hebrews, that you have a personal angel that is on your beck and call. All you got to do is say, Lord, I release my angel and put whatever subject to the objective word and let God do the rest. All you got to do is believe that you have help. You have help through the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says that there is uh, 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse 17. I just want to, uh, even in the Old Testament, enlighten us this morning to the very fact that you may see something in the natural, but if God can open your spiritual eyes to see what natural eyes are not able to witness. We can see here in uh, 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse 17. We're not going to get there. I'm just going to paraphrase uh, it just so you see that Elisha, uh, he was fighting the battle, and he could. but all of a sudden God began to open his eyes. Why? Because he asked the Lord to do so. He began to pray. He began to intercede. And, and through his intercession, God began to enlighten him that there is a lot against you, but I want you to see the, the many that are for you. Come on, somebody. You may not have anybody that you think in this realm who is for you. But let me just go ahead and get there. If God is for you, come on, he's got angelic armies around you that is waiting, listen, on his beck and call. And we see here that the, the servant whose spiritual eyes were open in that moment, not only was uh, Elisha's eyes open, but as he prayed, he didn't just pray for his eyes to be open, he prayed for his servant's eyes to be open. Isn't it amazing in the day and hour that we're living in, we want our eyes to be open, but just keep the neighbor's eyes shut. That's the, that's the day, and that's why God's not doing anything. Because we're so selfish with even the spiritual things in our life. We, you know, we can, we, can, we can work it as long as we're working it. Oh, somebody help me. But I don't want you to miss. If God opens my eyes, this is where we got to get back to, ladies and gentlemen, because the blessing is going to come when you're praying on your neighbor's eyes to be open more than you're praying on your situation. Uh, come on, somebody. And when you begin to pray for your servant's eyes to open, I'm talking about your neighbor, your brother, your sister, those who are connected to you to open their eyes because if they can see what heaven is doing, they can get on the same page with you in the spirit and then all of a sudden the devil all of his devices and all of his weapons they have no authority because when one can chase a thousand of flight if I can get two in agreement then we can have a, a, a more kingdom impact in the atmosphere that we are warring against 
We see here that there's an opening of the eyes and what could not be seen, now there's help. I want you to understand that maybe you see the attack that's greater than your help, but I promise you this, your light affliction is not worthy to be compared to the glory that God is about to release. The Bible says that our hearts, uh, uh, he, he's, uh, actually Pastor Caleb just said this this morning, that it, we would have lost heart. We would have lost heart. How many knows what it is to lose heart? And we will do this unless we believe that we would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Now, it didn't say uh, if we, we will see. It says we have to believe. Come on, somebody. If I don't believe it, I will never see it. I want you to understand we can preach revival. We can preach that God is going to pour out his spirit, and I believe he's going to. How many else believe that? But we have to all come to the agreement that it's going to happen. And if it happens through an individual, praise God. If it happens through the preacher, praise Praise God. If it happens through the intercessor team, praise God. If it happens while a worship song is being sung, praise God. And breakthroughs are happening. This is what we got to get back to. We got to get back to single mindedness. We got to get back to one mind and one accord. When did the wind blow in the upper room? The only time that it blew was when they were in the same frame of mind. I come to tell you, it's time to get, this going to sound weird to your carnal mind, but it's time to get out of your mind and into his. It's time to get out of your mind and into his. In verse 7, we understand of, of chapter 4, it says that there is treasure in earth and vessels. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say there's treasure inside you. When you get saved and the blood touches your life, there's greatness in you. Why? Because the gospel message you have allowed into your spirit. You have to make the choice to open yourself up to this treasure. And when you open yourself up to this treasure, it's treasure. It's the very light of God being poured into you. It's the light in the darkness. That's why you'll begin to uh, see revelation come to fruition because it's inside you. It's who you are. You're moving in the revelation light and the divine light of his love is in you and it's moving you through what you have called that place of salvation. That place of accepting his grace and then Jesus, how many knows that he alone saved you? Come on somebody. He saved the sinner. He saved a wretch like me. What did he save me from? The penalty of my sin. He saved me from the penalty of sin. He saved me from death. He saved me from the grave and he calls the light of knowledge to come alive. I can never understand his light unless I allow him to come in. I'll never be able to do that. Conviction can knock at my heart's door all day long, but I cannot be changed until I allow him in, and then I've got to allow him to stay in. Come on, somebody. I've got to allow him to commune. He wants to communicate with us. He wants to have relationship with you and I, but I want you to understand that he will fill and flood weak physical bodies, and he's to do his great work. The ultimate thing, yes, you're saved. You're on your way to heaven. Praise God for that. Praise God for the blood that broke the addiction off of your life but he's not wanting you to just sit and be complacent until I'm just going to say it the rapture bus stops by your way picks you up and takes you on into glory beyond this place what he's looking for is somebody who's going to partner with him and just like he filled your weak, weak vessel just like he healed your physical body he wants to do the same to the person that's at Walmart and when the Holy Spirit begins to move on you to go agree for that person 
person to come out of the wheelchair. This is the kingdom of God at work in the land. Is there anybody that would understand that your persecution is for your partnership? Everything that you have been fought with is because God has been preparing you and he's been positioning you not to have a microphone in your hand, but he's positioning you to take your hand and lay it on somebody who's sick and watch them be healed, not by might nor by power. I wish I had some helpers in this place, but by his spirit, he wants to transition your region he wants to transition your community but somebody's waiting for a stage and a microphone I come to tell you it's not about you getting on this stage it's about you hitting the streets and being the kingdom of God you say well that's easy for you to say you got the microphone that's right and I'm saying it Paul said the outward physical, the inward physical. He began to show us how we get through this. How you're going to get through the beating? How you're going to get through the struggle? How you going to, the Bible said the grass wither, the flower fades, but the word that's been spoken over your life, the calling that God has called you to, the gifts that he's placed inside of you. I come to tell you, if he put it in you, it will not wither if it has kingdom value, if it has eternal value to it. The world can't give you something that's eternal. And I come to tell you, the world cannot take it away. He may take your voice, but he cannot take the anointing. He may take your voice, but he cannot take your name out of the book. Somebody give God praise because you connected to something that's beyond the situation that you are in. Hallelujah. Paul, he said this. He said, I, I've been physically beaten. There's an outward suffering. There's an inward suffering. I've been, he said, I've been pressed on every side. Come on. He began to say, I've been pressed on every side, but, but I, I've been perplexed. I've been persecuted. He said, but I'm not crushed. I'm not in despair. I'm not forsaken. I've not been destroyed. Is there anybody that you've been crushed in this season? Maybe you've had some perplexity in this season. You've been just like, God, why do I have to fight this? The same thing every day that I get up when I lay down I'm still perplexed because I should be out of this oh but when Pastor Amanda got up here and began to say it's the fourth quarter must something in my spirit begin to rise up because Jesus might not have said much but when he's on the cross ladies and gentlemen he began to say something that gives us hope today he said it is finished I need somebody to understand that whatever you been facing it is finished i wish i had somebody to catch the revelation that sickness tried to take you out but i come to tell somebody if somebody take 30 seconds and praise him like you know that to tell a style of the lord if you know that he's the one that he's the one who began it that he's the one who's going to finish it he's the author and the finisher of my faith if you know who he is Take 30 seconds and praise him until you lose your mind. Come on, you can do better than that. I, I'm not even going to settle for that kind of praise. Somebody give God praise because it's done. It's already been settled. It's already been established. If you need healing, baby, all you got to do is tap into that you're at the end of a thing. And he said, at the end, he said, there's a glory that's coming. I'm not negating you're going through persecution. Look around you. Everybody else is too. 
Every single person you're sitting around. And I come to tell you it's finished. I come to tell you, he's already paid the price. I come to tell you, his blood is enough. I don't know. His blood is enough. I said his blood still has authority. When you begin to speak the blood, witches have to get out of the region. And I come to tell every limiter, you got to be broken in the name of Jesus. I come to tell every gate, open up in the name of Jesus. Open up in the name of Jesus. Destiny's going to open up. Deliverance is going to open up. Healing is going to open up. Peace is about to open up. Somebody give God praise because you are moving from just enough and you're moving into the realm of his kingdom. That is more than enough. I got to settle down. I'm about to hurt myself. Woo! Jesus. He said this body's perishing. It's outward suffering, the battles and the burdens that are inward. Paul could say it because he saw it. Paul could say it because he saw it. You say, what did he see? The light affliction. Let that catch you. He was struck by the light. And when you're struck by the light, you will see the affliction. Oh, but when you see from the perspective of the light, you understand that this is not it. This is not it. Every time they hit you, that's not where I'm staying. Come on. Every time they spit in his face and plucked the beard from his face, he did say, let the cup pass from me, but never the less. Why? Because when you're struck by light, you understand there's always more. It's never less. God is always trying to increase. Are you hearing me? He wants to increase. There's progression in the kingdom. You're not to live in lack, in lands of lack in territories of lack all of your life. And if you've been in a season where you have felt lack, and I don't care if it's been 20 years, I come to break lack off of your life in the name that's above every other. I'm not doing it in my name. I've been struck by the light affliction. But I come to tell you, it's not worth I know interest rates are up, but it's just a momentary thing. God is about to move the mountains of limitation. He's about to take you. Somebody give God praise because the truth is greater than what looks monumental in your life. Monumental, big, right here. But these light afflictions, now it puzzles me that Paul would say this, but I just, when you come to the understanding, I'm talking about one that's been beaten. He's been, he's been stoned, robbed, ridiculed, Mocked, beaten, stoned, stoned, shipwrecked. And I'm not talking about the stone where you do it yourself. I'm talking about people throwing things at you. Don't blame God for what you did. I'm talking about standing for truth. And being stoned. 
and remaining and just keep on standing. Oh, that hurt, but it's just a light affliction. Come on, man. Oh, yeah, that don't feel good to my pride, but it's just a light affliction. Oh, I, I got knocked out of that position, but it's just a light affliction. Oh, I, oh, I'm not popular anymore, but it's just a light affliction. Listen, he gave up everything that he knew. He was at his, he was getting ready to step into the greatest as the world sees it fulfilled. I'm talking about, you know, and let me just go ahead and put it in our modern terms. He was going to have more followers on Instagram than anybody in this place because of what he did. But he said, I count it all as a pile of crap. I count it all as a pile of manure because whatever I can do, it's perishable. It's temporal. It does have no eternal value to it. But the thing that's struck me. I don't know just yet what struck me, but I know my life has not been the same since he struck me down, since he got me to a place of repentance, since I've surrendered my heart to God. This stuff that I built up for myself is not even worthy to be compared to the glory that's, I'm talking about the revival that he's about to release that's going to save all your family, that's going to save all your region. Somebody give God praise because whatever it is that you're going through is not worthy to be compared. It's not even worthy to be compared. Not even considered. Not even in the same category to life with him. To life with him, brother Sellers. So I'll be stoned. I'll be robbed. I'll be hungry. He knew what it was to be hungry and thirsty. In Deuteronomy, the children of Israel got hungry and thirsty. Why? Because when you're hungry and thirsty, you're ready. Come on, somebody. Some of y'all hungry and thirsty. Guess what? You're ready to be filled with something. What are you going to choose to be filled with? Paul saw the light. He was afflicted by it. And the light shifted his perception. It actually muted his physical eyes until he first saw with the spirit. See, God will show you naturally what you first see spiritually. But you have to shift it. Turn your neighbor and say, you have to shift it. Because my carnal mind, I want you to hear me. This is Bible all day long. So you can go ahead and just go ahead and find it. My carnal mind will never understand the dimensions of the kingdom. The Bible says my eyes see dimly, right? Because my natural carnal eyes is that enemy with what my spiritual eyes are trying to see. That's why the giant is bigger than the grapes because I can only see with my natural eyes. But here's what I want to tell you. When you see with your natural sight, you will live in the land of fear. And when you live in the land of fear, you will be blinded by anything that the spirit is trying to release in your life. Paul's life was ministry. Paul's life changed. He, everything shifted. He, Paul was always now 
what he was trying to kill, now he's, he's pointing everybody to the escape. He's pointing everybody to where, where he's converted. He's pointing everybody to heaven, heavenly places. Philippians 2, 5 says, uh, uh, he says, this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's saying, let that mentality motivate you. What did Jesus do? He came to this earth. He, he suffered, but then he was resurrected. He came, he came, he experienced, and then there was a greater experience. There was something that came after the persecution. There's process for purpose, but the purpose is for you to enter into a place of promise that even when you don't see it with your natural eyes, you hold on to hope because you understand that what I can't see is greater than anything that's in front of me. So I choose to hold on to truth. Truth. I, I choose to let this mindset of Christ motivate me even if I'm being beaten and bruised and scarred. Paul is telling the Philippians in chapter 1, he said you're going to have external uh, conflict. You're going to have internal in the next chapter conflict. But what does he say? He says fellowship with the Spirit. Stay in the Spirit. Operate in the Spirit. He talks about the fellowship with the Holy Spirit. How many knows that in order for me to be successful in the Spirit, I got to be in the Spirit. I have to be, I got to be intentionally in the spirit. He said, if you'll stay in the spirit, you will not fulfill your flesh. If I'm out of the spirit, I'm always going to fulfill what my flesh desires. But how many knows that when you get hungry for him and thirsty for him, he said, I will fill those who are hungry and I'll fill those who are thirsty with a different mindset. It's not the carnal way of thinking. It's his way. It's a righteous way. It's the way of healing and deliverance and nothing can get in the way of it when you cover yourself with his righteousness. When you put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, you shod your feet with the gospel of peace and you understand that his fiery darts cannot get through because you've got faith up. When you have faith down, then his fiery dart can get in that flesh and irritate your flesh and move in your flesh. But thank God for the sword, the dagger of the spirit because I can dig it out if I have to. Come on. I wish I had somebody to understand that that fiery dart, if it's hit your flesh, don't let it irritate you to the point that you get into sin but go ahead and dig that thing out and understand if you'll dig it out God's about to bring you out let the truth release and let the truth set you free let the truth work for you even in the midst of a weak moment it's okay if you got hit but don't you dare allow that arrow to stay stuck and keep you stuck where you are somebody give God praise in this place and say I'm, it may have got me but I'm digging it out I'm digging out the lie of the enemy I'm digging out the manipulation of the enemy. I'm digging out depression and fear and doubt and worry. I'm digging it out. I shouldn't have allowed him to hit me. Faith should have been strong. But somebody give God praise because even in your weakness, he'll show you where your strength is. Hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 17. says, my carnal mind will always walk by sight. Ephesians 4, 17 tells us not to walk in the futility of mind. Wow. What does that mean? I want you to turn your neighbor and tell them it's the profitless path. My carnal thinking is worthless. My carnal mind is enemy with God, is not subject to truth. And when I walk in, in sight, I focus on my lack. When I walk by what I see, I will always see what I lack. 
I'm going to say that again. When I walk by what I see, I always will see what I lack. I will always see that the way of the Spirit is foolish because the carnal mind will never understand the things of the Spirit. They're only spiritually discerned. I can't understand the things of truth without discerning it by the Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to give me the revelation, right? The light bulb has to come on by way of the Spirit. I can't not do that in my carnal mind, in in my carnality. I cannot do it because if I live by what I see, fear will begin to come in. Fear will always, doubt will always cripple me if I'm seeing with my natural sight. This makes no sense, does it? But if I live by what I see, here's what happens. Then fear comes in. Doubt comes in. Fear and doubt work together. Fear brings doubt. And so he'll use anything and everything to bring fear because fear is a controller. You ever, you ever had fear and you had, your mind was wide open and you had all, and then all of a sudden fear grips you and your thoughts go out the window. Why? Because you surrendered to fear rather than have faith. There's many times when I operated in things that the Lord told me to walk in and told me to operate in and I didn't have it in my own strength to do it. And if I would to allow what I saw to control me, then fear would get in me. And here's what happens when fear gets into you. You begin to live by the question rather than the answer. You begin to live by the question. And you say, what question? Well, what if it don't work? You will never enter into your destiny waiting for it to work before you move. Well, what if I don't work? What if it doesn't make sense? It's not going to make sense. If it's God, it will never make sense to you. Come on, somebody. It doesn't look good. It doesn't, we, it doesn't smell good. It doesn't feel good. It does, uh, I don't have the resources. I don't have the education. I don't have the pedigree. And here's what happens. I try to determine my future based on what I've experienced in the past. When I'm walking by this. Because my carnal mind will always walk by sight, watch this, to determine what God can do. My carnal mind will always walk by sight to determine what God can do. Which means I'll always go back to where it failed because I'm operating in fear. Man, I must be preaching good. Romans 12, 2 tells us to be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. And if I, my not, mind's being renewed, then I can walk by faith. Because it's not on me. It's on him. All I have to do is trust him. Trust Jesus of Nazareth who's already finished it all. He's the healer of it all. Oppression lifts because he's finished it. And Paul understood this. That's why he walked in fellowship, not just with Jesus, but he walked in that Holy Spirit realm. He walked in the realm of the Holy Spirit. And so he was enlightened and Jesus began to feel his hunger, began to feel his thirst. 
So here in closing, here's what I want to ask you to do. Everybody just stand to your feet all over this place. <clears throat> the reason I, I, I want to close on this note is because many of us start correctly. We start our journey right. We start with zeal. We start with passion. And I can preach this because <laughs> I live it. But man in the middle, in the meanwhile, before you step into promise. Yeah, she, it's already been preached. You're just getting confirmation. Is the place where I have to trust him the most. When you feel the door open and you walk through it, it's an amazing feeling. There's nothing like when you first give your heart to Jesus. Can I tell you something? You're not going to have that feeling every day. There's going to be days you feel the enemy surround you. It's going to be days where the enemy is going to make you doubt everything that you stand for by stones, ridicule, your own mind, your own words your own circumstance, because we're not always in the natural, what we would call a blessed season. But what do you do when you're not standing in the blessing? Does your position change based on where you are? Paul never changed. And here's what's awesome. The Holy Spirit revealed him every step. So that's why he could stand confidently even in the midst of what seemed like all hell breaking loose in his life because he knew it was coming before it was coming. Because it was spiritually discerned and you can't play now. See, the children of Israel were supposed to know what pain was. The children of Israel were exposed to See the wilderness season. They were supposed to, listen, I know all hell has been behind some people in here. Like the, like the children of Israel were chased by the Egyptians and you feel like obstacles are in front of you. Some of you have been in the fieriest trials of your life. Some of you have felt like you're in a den and as Pastor Man already said, lions are breathing down your neck. But it's not the end. It's not the end. The greater glory is about to be revealed. The storm, the sickness, the financial, the betrayal, the deception of the enemy. It's not the end. It's a momentary, it's a momentary moment in time. It's momentary. It's temporary. It's not the end. It's just a momentary thing that looks monumental. You may be in pain today, physically, mentally, spiritually in your heart. It's momentary. Turn to your neighbor and encourage them. What you're in is momentary. What you're going through is momentary. And I've heard a lot of talk about wilderness, y'all. I don't know who's preaching it, but I hear everybody talking about it. Everybody. I want to be in the wilderness. Well, you can stay there if you want to. Bye.
God didn't create the wilderness for the children of Israel to stay. He created the wilderness to go through so that they could see the snakes and the scorpions and understand, I don't want that for my life. I, I don't want to live hungry and thirsty. I got to be hungry and thirsty in order to motivate me to get to where God's going, taking me. I ain't going to pitch a tent and camp out when God's giving me grapes and giving me fruit and giving me a blessing and giving me... It's momentary. Stop living in what's momentary. Stop pitching your tent and letting others tell you where you're to live. We could sing, this wilderness is not my home. I'm only passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. He caused them to hunger. He allowed, he allows things because this light affliction is not worthy to be compared. I want you to get this to the glory that's about to be revealed in your life. Come on, somebody. Yeah, go ahead and put your hands together. This light affliction is not worthy. You know what the enemy wants you? He wants you to get in your mind. That's why there was some ballot and Tobias speaking to Nehemiah, trying to put fear in them. Because the enemy's always trying to pull you down into the valley of the shadow of death. Down into that valley of, y'all help me. Oh no. That's what it's called. Look it up. Oh no. Pull, oh, come down here and have a conversation with me. That's what he's trying to do. The enemy's trying to have conversations with you in a valley of oh no. And guess what? We've been pretty good at having conversations about oh no. What am I going to do now? How am I going to pay the light bill? How am I going to work this out? How's this ministry going to survive? I'm trying to help somebody. And what did Nehemiah say? We need a spirit of Nehemiah to tell the enemy why would I stop the work to come down here and have a carnal conversation with you? Somebody understand that the spirit that's on the inside of you is greater than the enemy that's trying to get you down in a low place. Somebody needs to understand that, yeah, you may have to have a valley, but don't you dare quit building. Don't you dare quit working. Don't you dare give up because the glory at the end of this thing is greater than anything you could think, ask, or imagine. Oh, I wish you'd catch it today. The glory that shall be revealed is greater than the mess that you're in right now. The situation that you feel stuck in. I come to tell you that you're not stuck there. It's just a waiting moment. It's just the way you just got to keep walking. You got to keep trusting. You got to keep believing. Even when it feels like you're the only one standing there, you need to understand that you are not alone. That Jesus will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But he'll always be with you even in the bad days even on the good days when you're celebrating he's with you but he's with you even now